Hello. And welcome. It is so good to see so many of you and some of you who are in my first session. Glad you were able to make it to this one as well. I just want to give a short little intro, more, a little bit more about myself. I am the Leader Development Director at Rockside Church. And what does that all entail? And it tells working with leaders and fine-tuning them as leaders so they can develop the leaders underneath them. And to also recruit, recruit new members, um, from the congregation to serve in ministry. So I work alongside my pastor closely in working with um, our leadership team. And the way that the Lord seems to be using me in leader development, he's got me crossing from the board. And I'm on staff, too, with the staff members and also the ministry coordinators. But I don't stop with just those groups. I'm all into the trenches with the um, lay members of the church because they need to be developed, too, into leaders. So uh, leadership is a passion of mine. My doctor of management degree is in organizational leadership. And where I am not at Rockside Church doing the work, there. I'm on the Ohio Ministry um, with the Ohio Ministry Network, the Leader Development Task Force that Kelly Zimmerman is also on with Dave Pafford, where we're looking to put forth some new leader development initiatives that will span across the entire state of Ohio. So, looking, um, enjoy being a part of that committee. But when I'm not doing that, I'm a college instructor. I teach business management and <laughs> leadership classes for a number of institutions. I've been teaching for nine years. Prior to that, I was working in corporate, where I was co-managing uh, co a $100 million brand for a paint company. I was an assistant brand manager. So I have a business management background, project management, and it's all good because God has been using it for his kingdom and doing the kingdom work. And I do also have my own management consulting business where I love doing strategy, um, planning, and leadership development and training. So it's a little bit more about me. And now I'm going to put the ball out to you guys. What are you hoping to gain from being in this class? And I'm going to ask Kelly if she can jot your questions on our board. So what, what is it that you're hoping to gain from being in this workshop? What are you wanting to learn? What do you want to know more of? Anyone? How to, yeah. how to discern? Absolutely. Yeah, I understand. That's a great question. Discern if the leaders in the church are really healthy or are they putting on a facade? Yeah, we can do a lot of masking, especially when we've been in church for many years. We can really know what to say and how to say it and how to look. Great question. Anyone else? Yes. Are there I any trends that you see developing if people struggles that just that sense? Struggles? Uh, trends with uh, uh, new leaders uh, and the struggles that they may be having. Did I kind of? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Okay. Trends with struggles. Yeah. And one was popping out the forefront of my mind just now about some trends and things that I'm witnessing right now with some leaders. Any, I think I saw your hand. Yes. Developing healthy leaders. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down. There's so many spaces over here. And I think I saw another hand. Who was that? I saw another hand raised with a, a jump in the game. Basics, because we're just building the team. Okay. And it's going way slower than I want it to, mm -hmm. and I don't want to burn out the people that I have. 
Okay. So. Team building. Team building basics. <laughs> oh, I wonder if they never. Oh, sweltering. <laughs> That's fine. I was teaching a class at Lake Erie College in Painesville, and this building reminds me so much of that college. There was radiator heaters, and there there was no air conditioner anywhere. We. My goodness, yeah, we appreciate our modern buildings when we get in them. <laughs> okay, thank you. Those are some great questions that we can um, discuss and build upon. And thank you, Kelly. She's passing out my business card so that if you would like to email or call me, you can do so. You can email me if you would like a copy of the presentation. I do have it uploaded on the uh, Synergy Sketch site, so you can get it from there. Or you can send me an email like one of my earlier, my morning session uh, attendees did and say, hey, can you send me the, um, the emails? And I'll gladly do that for you. All right, so diagnostic checkups. This is the fun stuff because I like dealing with processes and how to dig into the details and start making things better. So the first question is what is meant by diagnostic checkups? This is just kind of our flow of what, why, when, and how. Why is diagnostic checkups important? When was the last time the health of your ministry and volunteers were assessed? And how do you assess the health of your ministries and volunteers? I want to reach back up at the top where it says, what is meant by diagnostic checkups? I liken it to this. It's as though you're going to see your doctor and you're getting a total body look over. They want to see what's working well, what's not, what do we need to do to make fixes. You may have to be put on some medications. You may need to be monitored. You may have to change your lifestyle. So, um, and eating and, and exercising, diagnostic checkups. I also liken this to when you take your vehicle in for service maintenance. You know, we get those indicator lights that comes on our car, and it lets us know when there is something that needs our attention. Some people ignore those lights, and they're on for a reason. We do need to take it to the mechanic and find out what is really going on. Well, you know, that's what's happening in our ministries. There are red lights popping on, orange lights, yellow lights. They're popping on, and, and oftentimes they get ignored. And why is that? Why do we ignore these indicators that let us know something is just not right? And we are functioning in, the, in dysfunction in our ministries for months and years on end. And we're wondering why our ministries are not flourishing. So when I look, look at diagnostic checkups, it is looking at what is going well, what can we do to make things better. And that even goes for our volunteers. How are they performing? Are they even still interested in being in the ministry? Maybe, maybe they're going through some shifts where they want to explore some other avenues. Have we taken time out to talk to them and find out, hey, you've been, you've been serving in this, in this ministry for two years. Are you still good with that? How are you still doing with that? Here's where I'm going with this. When we look at why is diagnostic checkups important, because we do need to get us, we need to put our hands on what's going on. We should not be ignorant of what's happening in our ministries. We should not be wondering if our volunteers are still interested in volunteering. We need to know so that if we need to go out and do some more recruiting, we can do so. We shouldn't be in crisis mode, basically. And I have found that to be quite prevalent in ministries where there's just not been any contingency plans. And then when? When was the last time the health of your ministry and volunteers has been assessed? 
is it annually, once a quarter, or as often as needed? How often are you taking a step back and looking at the whole picture and saying, what's going on? What do we need to make changes in? I call it giving a helicopter view. Let's go 10,000 feet up and look down and see what's going on. And also, not to ignore what others may be saying about your ministry either. You do want to listen to what others are saying. There may be some relevance there. And then how do you assess the health of your ministries and volunteers? What kind of process are you using to figure this out? So, let's see. It was this time last year is when my pastor and I we had decided that we need to start assessing the health of the ministries. Now, I hadn't been at the church for about a year. So I'm a year and a half into my, into my church at Rockside. And when I came on as leader development director, I said, what is our first thing that we want to do? And she said, well, you know, I would like to start fine-tuning our ministries and get them into tip-top shape. And, and functioning even better. So here's what we did. We scheduled a meeting with all of our ministry coordinators. That included our ushers ministry coordinator, our um, media and, and sound tech ministry coordinators, our cafe ministry coordinator, our nursery ministry coordinator, all of our coordinators. And we wanted, took them out to dinner, or we met at the house, whatever was convenient for them. And we had, before we met up with them, we had asked them several questions. Some of those questions included, what is working well in your ministry? Um, do you still see yourself working in this ministry this time next year? So giving them some things to think about, because if they've been ready to move out of the ministry, this is the time to speak up. Let's just speak up and be honest about it. Some other questions was, what resources are you missing that you feel that you, that you need to have that could really make your ministries uh, work well? How many, are you satisfied with the number of volunteers that you have, or do you need some new ones? Those were some of the questions that we were asking. And so when we got together with these ministry coordinators, I don't like wasting time in meetings. I just want to get to it. and <laughs> I don't like long, drug-out meetings. So when I have a, a plan, it helps me to stay on track. And they shared with us their responses to those questions. And so then we were able to assess what was working well. And we were just making some discoveries that we had we had leaders functioning as like regular team members, like they weren't leading. They were like one of the guys or one of the girls. They didn't see themselves as leaders. They saw themselves as just one of the workers. And I said, wow, this is an interesting phenomenon because, see, there is a difference between leaders and managers. Managers, they get the job done. They're very task-oriented. You got leaders, hey, they're out trying to stimulate excitement and energy and, um, and, 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 and camaraderie and making sure people are where they need to be, delegating. And some of that wasn't happening in some of our ministries. Oh, boy, so what do we do? What do we do? You know, we're not going to take this information and just toss it to the side. I'm like, we have some urgencies here. So then it created a challenge. A challenge was put out to a couple of these ministry coordinators to help raise them up into their into leadership capacities, to help them to see themselves as you are more than just a cafe worker. You are the cafe ministry coordinator. Hey, you oversee a team of people. So you have to be able to start holding them accountable when they're not showing up on time. And what's the plan for that? And then I went so far and say, hey, how can I even come alongside you to help you with that? Because, you know, dealing with conflict is not easy, and sometimes it's good when you can have someone else there with you. And so I was very grateful that 
uh, we had these conversations with the ministry coordinators so that they can do an honest assessment of themselves as leaders and to be able to start changing their ministries around. And I'm going to get more into the presentation, but I'm going to pause it because I have a questionnaire that I would love for you to take a look at. It's a short questionnaire, and the purpose of it is to help you assess the health of your ministries um, and volunteers diagnose problems and identify action steps for correcting the problem areas. So, there are four questions that have a rating scale of one to three, and that rating scale is listed right here on the sheet. And then there's uh, two additional questions at the bottom. And after that, there is a leadership development suggested book list. These are all books that I have read that I thought was very good and worth sharing with you. So like the first question it asks is communication is effective with all team members in your church. Is that, is it occasionally, never or always? Just put the number on the side. Appreciation is shown to volunteers for their service. And you'll put the number beside that. So I'll give you a few moments to work on that. So, okay. So, in the greeter role, is appreciation shown to volunteers in your church? Yes. Oh, well, yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Is that? Is it always? All right. Put number three down. Oh, that'll be right there. In that slot right there. Oh. Now, for communication, communi- communication is effective. With just say the team members with the ushers, is communication effective with your team members? With the ushers? Um, most of the time. Okay, so you can put um, occasionally. So put number two there. Yeah, we are assessing, you know, how effective is communication. You can look at this from some of you may be pastors. Some of you may be lay members in your church where uh, you are not overseeing a group. But you can still fill this questionnaire out and look at it from the perspective of the ministry you are in. So if you are an usher, is communication effective in the usher's team? Or if you are working with the youth or in the children's ministry or in the nursery or wherever you may be, is communication effective? Meaning, and we're going to go into, I'm going to go ahead and delve into this communication one because this is a strong one for me. Because without communication, no one knows what to do, where to be, or anything. And there are certain communication channels that we should be considering when we're trying to communicate to our team members. This is assessing the communication health of, um, of the ministries in your church. Many people don't use email. So the, I have members at my church where I have to call them. And it's okay, because it's not that many that I have to call, which is nice. But I don't exclude them just because they don't have email. They may get a letter in the mail, or if I see them in church, I'll tell them in person, whatever it is that I was going to tell them. So, here's the key about communication channels. You have to know which communication channels are effective to get your message across. So, if it's email, email may not be enough. I've had to tell some of our ministry coordinators to, when you're reminding your ministry team members that it's time for you to serve on Sunday, okay, you can email them on, on Saturday, but you may want to follow up with a phone call, too, because people don't check their emails regularly. 
some of us don't have our phones glued to our hands, like me. <laughs> some of us don't. Text messaging. Not everybody text message. So what is, what's, what's another approach? So I look at communication channels as not a one-size-fit-all kind of deal. So you may be using multiple channels depending upon the people you're communicating with. So, uh, and then, uh, so here it is. Your communication channels must be effective and it's based on the situation. I'm going to open up just right now for questions on this or comments. Okay? Because... There is a lot of email, let me say something about emailing, that it has its perks, but there are times when we do need to have some in-person interaction. Just like I had, my pastor and I had with our ministry coordinators, we sat down and had a meal together and talked through these questions. They could have answered them by email, but it's something about that interpersonal connection and See, and some of those coordinators, they were kind of afraid that I was coming in to slap their hands on and say, hey, you were doing something wrong and, you know, this is what you need to do right. I'm like, no, we just want to hear from you. Yes. Okay, so the very first session when they told us to ask people, you know, where, mm-hmm. where are blind spots? So, you know, I get on my mass at Facebook and mm-hmm. email and everything for my staff <laughs> through their various ways that they like to be. And one of the things that came back was, we don't feel like we're a team. We'd like to do fun activities, like to oh. celebrate us as volunteers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, these are actual, after you have done your assessment of, you know, what can we be doing better as a team? And believe you me, when it starts happening as a team, it will infiltrate the whole church. Because people will catch hold on to it. And they'll be like, they're the greatest ministry ever. And so, yeah, right? And then let's see, you have, celebrate your volunteers. That's actually on my slide. Have volunteer um, celebrations. Let them know you appreciate them. Let them know they are appreciated. They're not getting paid to do what they do. You got people, they're showing up early before church even begins like the church door just got unlocked and they're already at the door because they have work to do faithful people why not celebrate them well, I've done it individually mm-hmm. one of my prayers mm-hmm. when you get back, I can show you my journal for 2016 one of my prayers was Lord help us to realize we're a family working together yeah. with each other families mm-hmm. when I got that I got table because it's already a prayer that's been answered it's only look at that praise God wonderful they want to actually hang out together. they want to hang out Absolutely. My church and my, my pastor and I were going through church life, church life development, and John Musgrave is the facilitator. And the simulation is one of the topics that we were just talking about two weeks ago. The simulation, it includes having care for your team. Your ministry is a small group. And your ministry, your small group, should have the care and the fellowship in it. It should be where, where I know that there's a team member who is sick, who is struggling. I shouldn't have to find out from somebody else in the church that I got a team member that's not doing well. What that says is I don't have a relationship with that team member. I could be the one that makes that phone call or visit them at the hospital, call them up, or whatever it is. And I have to go to the pastor and say, hey, pastor, so-and-so. I can let the pastor know, like, this is what's happening. But I can also say, hey, pastor, taking care of, I already went to see them. I already called them. You're welcome to as well, you know. But just want you to know that, hey, we're looking out for one another in this ministry. Believe you me, people will stick and stay when they feel appreciated and cared for in the ministry. I love that. It's called social community. That's what it's called, social community. I think I saw another hand. Okay. All right. So, what processes processes and procedures within your ministry need changing to align with your church's mission and core values? First off, you you need to know what your church's mission statement is. My church, Rockside, every... 
Sunday, we have our mission on the t- back of our bulletin. And it's our core, and it's our core values, and, and it's to help drive the mission of taking the unchanging love of Christ to an ever-changing world and provide guidance as God develops Rockside Church. My church is uniquely located in a business district inside of a university, Indiana Wesleyan University. And on Sundays, we have a unique crowd because we have uh, the college, another college inside this building. And they have classes that's going on. They're getting real estate licenses and renewing their, their licenses for real estate and other stuff dealing with homes or whatever, insurances. And what, what, what my church does as a service to them is we offer them complimentary uh, drinks, coffee, tea, um, breakfast bars, and we, we minister to them through the cafe and talk to them and get to know them. So that means that our cafe ministry coordinators, they have to be at the church at about 9 a.m. because their first, the students' first break is 9.30. So we have to look at is out. So we're, we're taking the, the unchanging love of Christ to an ever-changing world. A lot of those students who was walking through that building, they're not Christians, so this is a perfect opportunity for us to evangelize them. And some of them have popped their head into the sanctuary to see what's going on. You have a church in here? And it's wonderful. And they're hearing the music playing um, out from the hallway. And so is your, uh, is your processes or is your ministry procedures and processes, are they aligned with the mission of your church? And there's times where you need to update your ministry operations instructions, and that's something that my pastor and I and our administrator, we did a lot of in 2015. And this year, um, actually, this was, this was this year, when my church had brought on a new First Impressions coordinator, we have a guest table that sits right in the main foyer of our church. And as... The uh, as people walk through the door, that's the first table they see is the guest table, and we have two workers that stationed there. There used to be one, not anymore. I said we need two. Here's why: because we have people that may a bunch of people may be coming in, and you may be tending to one person. It'll back up the line where people can't make it through, or you may have to show them to where the restroom is or where the kids ministry is. Uh, or the nursery and so one person can always still be at the table manning it and um, at all times so what we did was uh, our administrator had took a picture of what our guest table looks like these are our ministry instructions so that whoever jumps on board either as the ministry coordinator for first impressions or whoever is um, working this table uh, they will know how to set it up, what time they need to be there. So tomorrow, yeah, they need to be there at 10 a.m. And this is actually posted in one of our closets where we have all of our other items and stuff at where anyone, when you have to go and get this box and set all of this stuff up. Our church is so unique where you have to set things up every Sunday and tear it down right after service. And so... Yeah, it tells um, the uh, what, what, how to how to greet the guests and how to set up the table, how to tear down the table, who to send the guest cards to, who to go to to get supplies ordered. It's pretty detailed, pretty detailed. Do you have something like this for your ministries? Maybe it's if you don't look into that. Because this is a document that you will change, you'll continue to make changes, but you need to start with something because how are you going to check how things are going in your church unless you've got this written, gone and going in your ministry, unless you got it written down? You can put some check marks by it. Yep, we're doing this. When I first got out this document, I was like, wait a minute, we're not doing this, 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 this. We need to do some updates. Now, either we're going to start doing this, 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 and this, 
that means we're going to have to get a second person to work that table. If not, that's, that's going to have to come off this list. This, the operations is outdated. Can you imagine being at your job and you had an outdated operations manual? What can you do with that? Someone needs to update it. So when we talk about diagnostic checkups, check out your operations for your ministries. And if you don't have one, I strongly encourage you to put one together. And then... Show it to your team members. They're like, hey, guess what? We're going to put together an operations um, um, guidelines and include them to be a part of the process. Give them some ownership because there might be something that you may have missed. So work together as a team on it. It helps. It really does. Because it wasn't just me who fine-tuned this. It was our administrator, our pastor, and who recently became our first first impressions ministry coordinator. It was four eyeballs looking at this sheet. So keep that in mind. Same thing with our ushers. The ushers have to get fine-tuned. And who worked on that? The same, uh, the the pastor, the uh, the administrator, and myself. Um, unfortunately, our coordinator at the time he couldn't be with us because he drives a semi truck throughout the week, so it would have been difficult to try to get a hold of him while he's making deliveries. So um, it was just the three of us: uh, myself, the pastor, and the administrator. But we fine tuned the ushers' ministry. You know, there was supposed to be usher huddles going on. There were no usher huddles, and I'm an usher. I said, we, uh, we, I said, we do huddles? And he said, yes, we're supposed to. And I said, well, we need to get that going. Let's resurrect this. So I got with the ministry coordinator for the ushers and say, hey, listen, you know, we want to start having us a little team huddle and pray before we usher. We want to have discernment as we are ministering. We want to do our jobs well, pay, be alert to what's going on. And so we started having huddles. And next thing I know, other ministries saying, we want to do some huddles too. We'll go right ahead. So it's amazing how you may become the forerunners in your church on certain things as God is leading you. So, <clears throat> Donna, yes, go ahead, sir. One of the things I was concerned about, mm-hmm. I worked in the marketplace for six years going into ministry. I've always had jobs descriptions written by people who don't even live in the same state. I'm thinking, who's the knucklehead that wrote this? Right. Now that I'm a senior pastor, I've two, three years, I'll ask my department leaders, write your job description as you see it. Yeah, that's Sometimes what I point. I'll look at the one the office made, the one they made, and I'm like, there's better. The person who's doing the job? Yeah. yeah. Secondly, that's... how do I get a hold of the copy of the ones you already wrote? Oh, you want, <laughs> you want to get, yes. you have to email me. Yeah, send me an email. Yeah, I can send it to you so you can benchmark from it. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. It can be. So, yeah, by all means, if anyone is interested in, you know, use this as a template, as a guide for you, then send me an email and I'll send it over to you. You know, some of your ministries, the way that they're set up, you may want to take pictures. I love that we take a picture of our cafe table. There is no excuse for that cafe table not to look good every Sunday because we have a picture of it. And it's hung up in our storage closet where all of the uh, cafe supplies are. So I love that because sometimes I have to set up the cafe table. So, yes, you are right. Let the frontline workers <laughs> be the ones that create the job description. Who knows better than them, you know, what is, what, what, what's going on every Sunday. So that's why I also said let your team members, um, if you do not currently have a operations um, guide for your uh, ministry, include them in the process too. Plus, it's great leader development for them. Yeah, you don't have to tell them that part. But you develop by developing them as leaders. That's important. My desire is to see God's people become all that they have that all that God has predestined for them to be. That has been a passion of mine and I 
and strongly just promote that when I'm talking with people. I have people who are not quite ready to enter into leadership roles. That's okay. I'll just keep planting seeds and inviting them to do things. Either they say yes or they say no. It's on them, you know, what they want to do. But they can never say, Tracy never asked them. Mm-mm. So... When you're talking about appreciation, I'm like, I thought of this slide, show the love. My church had an appreciation volunteer breakfast. It was May the 3rd of 2015. And it was the first of its kind. And I say, you know, Lord, you're doing some phenomenal things um, by launching, by doing this. And I was the the keynote speaker for, uh, for the event. And it was teaching them how we are to do our work as unto the Lord and not unto man. Like, who are you really doing this for? Who are you ushering for? When you're doing the sound and the media, when you're singing, whatever it is that you're doing, who are you doing it for? And you're doing it unto the Lord. So there were some teaching moments that I had included in the volunteer appreciation breakfast. And again, why are we doing this? Because they're the backbone of the church. If it wasn't for the volunteers, church wouldn't even be happening. So look for where you can have special events. And even my event was for the whole church, but it can be just for your ministry. I don't care if you have a ministry of two people. You and two other people or you and somebody else. You should celebrate yourself. Celebrate what God is doing in your ministry. Celebrate what God is doing in you. Take a moment to celebrate. Take a moment to celebrate. And because these people are committed. They're committed to what they do. They love what they do. And you want to show them that. You appreciate them for that. So I would say, you know, however often you want to show appreciation, do it. It can be with a thank you card. It can be to a, a, a... a restaurant with a gift card, you, you decide on the, de- on the denomination, but there should be something that we give. Questions on that or comments or even if you want, in your comment, you want to share how you have used uh, appreciation events and how, how did it go for your team members? Or maybe now you want to look into doing something like that. Questions, comments? You may have this problem. Do you have volunteers that are showing up late? Show of hands. Ooh. Oh my. That's, quite, that's like all the room. <laughs> oh my gosh, you too. <laughs> you too. Yeah experiencing it as well. I tell you, you know, there's just some of our members, they just can't seem to get there on time. They have their various reasons, but every Sunday, something's wrong. So what do you do about that? Yeah, why is this happening and how to address it? And, you know, some do not take away, oh, they're just always late. There's something happening, and we can find out by going and talking to them. See, this is where, as leaders, we got to gird up our loins, get the courage up, and say, you know what? You know, you are a wonderful worker. You know, when you do the work, when you're doing your work, it's superb. And I noticed that you're not here um, at 10:15, as uh, like the rest of us, we like to have our prayer huddles. You know, what's going on? What's, you know, what's keeping you from being able to make it here on time? And I have had some people say, well, you know, I just got some family things going on at home. It takes me a lot to get the kids ready. And um, I forgot. So I'm just, I just forgot that I needed to be here at this time because they may not work every Sunday. It may be once every three weeks or once a month. And so here's an action step for that. They need a reminder. Now, I know on Saturdays we're busy. And I had one of my ministry coordinators say, I'm just too busy to call anybody. I said, well, call them on Friday. I'm too busy Friday. I said, well, designate somebody else. (laughs) 
get someone else on the team to do it. Delegate it. So that's one way of sending the reminders out. So remember we were talking about communication channels? Well, what is that going to look like? Is that going to be by an email, a text message? Is it going to be a Facebook message? Because people do that too. Is it going to be by a phone call? Yeah. Which communication channel are you going to use to deal with that? Here's another situation that I've, ex- I've noticed why we're having some late comers it's because they're ready to shift out of the ministry yeah they're ready to move on and what do you do about that you gotta have an honest conversation about what we're the law in their lives you know this could be a phone call you know you could schedule hey I want to have a quick you know talk with you um, looking at the health of the ministry and the vol- in our in our in our team and um, let me see how you're doing what's going on with you you'll find out some things that way when you have that honest conversation and you'll find oh you know I'm just not quite feeling you know being in our show anymore I just I feel like I'm being led to go into uh, working with the sound team. Oh, really? Sometimes our volunteers don't come out and tell us they're ready to shift gears. They're ready to change lanes. They don't always tell us. I guess they think we're supposed to know. <laughs> but I'm not going to pretend that I know what they're thinking. So I'm going to have to have and do some honest asking and see what's going on there. But then if your church is small, it's hard to let volunteers go somewhere else. So here's what you can do. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I appreciate your honesty. Thank you for telling me that you are ready to transition. God is calling us all to different new th- at, at, to different things at different times. So until I can get a replacement for you, would you stay on for another 60 or 90 days? Because I don't want them to leave abruptly and then I'm left with this gaping hole (laughs) in my team. But that means that I'm going to have to go scouting out for some new members to join the team. And so uh, I would use the 60 or 90 days, two months, three months to help me with a transition plan. So um, and we've had to do that at my church and I am very glad that um, when they were approached with that they said yes I can do that I can do that and maybe where the help that you get to replace them it might be temporary where that person may only want to do it for 90 days so that means you're constantly having to look for new people that means you're going to have to raise up help raise up some new people in your church yeah I mean if your church has a church directory yeah, start looking through it. <laughs> and be like, okay, let's see now. Who, what, they're not doing anything. Hmm, where would they be a good fit? Would they be a good fit? It's time to look. And start looking out for the new members that are coming to your church too because they're, they're going to want a place of service in the church as well to feel like they're a part of it, of the church. So, um, so that is how I have been able to address that. How about you? Since you're having the same problems, what have you been able to do? And um, is it con- is it partially working or some? Is it working at all? Anybody? Because we have to start holding our volunteers. I know they're 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 precious commodity. <laughs> We don't, we don't want to cause them to walk out our doors, walk out of our ministry doors forever. But you have to uphold a standard in your ministry in order for it to function well. Yes? I think that's the key, and maybe it's just because we're coming from the beginning stages of it, but before they're even placed, I have that conversation with mm-hmm. them, and I show them in the guide, this is what's expected of you, that you will be here at this time. Yeah. And the reason mm-hmm. why is to greet into that's how you're going to develop oh, yeah. those relationships with yeah. your kids and the parents are going to feel safe. And, Absolutely. Um, honestly, since we've had that, the only time I've had one person late, if there was truly an emergency, they 
let me know. Good. So I, I yeah. think it was because I set that expected behavior. I love what you said, Tony. You, 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 you set the bar up there high already before they officially, I mean, as they were entering in. So you were letting them know right off the bat, this is what is expected in this ministry. And so in order for it to stay successful, that means that as a leader, you have to keep enforcing it. And then whomever is going to be co-leading with you, they're going to have to enforce that too. The moment that we start getting slack, that's when we start seeing all these issues. So, yeah, I have seen some ministry coordinators say, well, I don't bother with with challenging them about their lateness. I just grab somebody else and fill them in that spot. I'm like, do you really think that that person want to be on standby every Sunday for these latecomers? You got another thing coming, because I don't. So, I'm like, I want to be able to sit and enjoy the service, too. I don't want to have to work for Sunday straight. So I said, we're going to have to have a conversation with those individuals. And so I was taking it upon myself, and I was making phone calls to some of our Usher members and trying to know what's going on. So funny. They started showing up at 10.15. That was better. I wanted them there at 10.10, but they showed up at 10.15. I said, well, that's better than 10.35, and service started at 10.30. There's progress. Hey, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. So, yeah, um, just can't be afraid to pick up that phone or, um, or, or meeting with them you know, before or after service. To, to and address it in a loving way. You don't have to be mean and nasty about it. Definitely give them a praise before you tell them anything negative about their their late arrival. Tell them about your, how much you appreciate them being a part of the ministry and how valued they are to the team and how as a team we when we come together we function well um, together and we want to build a culture of timeliness. I have one member, she is on she can't seem to get on time, be on time for her work, period, no matter what ministry she's in. She just have time management issues. And and I had to sit down with her after service and ask her, Tell me what what do you what does your schedule look like in the mornings on Sunday? Oh, I get up in plenty enough time to get dressed and but I seem like I spent an hour on my makeup. Why so long? <laughs> We can. There are some things we need to stop the distractions. There was a, a number of distractions that she was experiencing, and I'm like, stop letting your cell phone distract you, your Facebook notifications. You gotta stay on task. You gotta stay focused. And but see, here's the thing. Sometimes. We don't know how when we start challenging our volunteers, they could be helping them in their work lives where they get a paycheck. Because this same individual, she shows up late for her job too. So if we're able to lovingly come alongside them and challenge them about this and even provide them with some solutions, I don't like to just point out the problems. I like to provide some solutions. And it's up to them if they choose to go with them or modify the solutions. But you got to do something. This is outrageous. Every Sunday, and you're doing this in your job, too. So we, you know, as leaders, we are also helping with discipling people in their character, too. So uh, she still got her struggles, but at least she owned it, and she realized she needs to make some major changes. And... She's kind of, she's doing a little bit better. She's better, she's better now than she was a year and a half ago when I first met her. But it, it, it just takes time. And this is coaching. It just takes, it takes time. Oh, let's see. I had talked about this, about managers and the difference between them and leaders. Managers are task-oriented, systems and process-oriented. Tell me what I need to do and I'll get it done. Managers are also ones that don't like taking risk, so <laughs> they don't don't they don't want to challenge the status quo. Just I just want to go with the flow. Don't give me nothing new. And 
I'm not saying anything is wrong with it. We need those kinds of people that can get the stuff done. But I do just want to call out there's some differences between the two where the leaders, they're embracing new opportunities and challenges. They're leading by example. They're showing confidence. Big difference from the managers. Managers, they're, um, they're very into the planning and the organizing and measuring for performance. Did get their checklist? Are we doing things right? So you may have a manager on your in your ministry that can help you with diagnosing how well your ministry is functioning. So I would encourage you, don't do the diagnostic checkup by yourself unless you're a ministry of one. If you are a ministry of more than one, invite others on the team to be a part of this. How are we doing? And let's not fool ourselves. Where are we deficient? <laughs> I mean, it's really time to get honest. And also, I don't like bringing in new members into a dysfunction ministry. So if I, and that's part of my job in bringing in recruits to a ministry. If I see some dysfunction, I'm not sending my newbies over there. The ministry leaders want to clean that up. You have to clean that up. Clean up what is going on that is making you not as efficient as you could be. You know, when you have ministries that are revolving doors where as soon as the new people come in, they're running out of it, that's a problem. That's an indicator light that's on the dashboard that you need to be checking out. What time does our session end? All right, I'm going to wrap this up as of now. So <laughs> I will take one question and did I, did I address these team building? Yep, I did. Okay. Trends with leaders that are struggling. Um, a lot of insecurities for, you had asked the question, Sarah, about trends with leaders that are struggling. Um, I think that's kind of as I look at the question, it's kind of broad, but what would they be struggling in? And if they are struggling with, the, with being a leader, then we got to figure out why is that? What are their insecurities? Who are they looking at and trying to model or emulate to, to, to be their benchmark as a leader? Are they looking at the pastor? Who are they looking at? So... Um, and I just have some that are struggling with just entering into that role right now. It just may not be for them right now. Just, just for now. We'll, God has to work with them. Leadership is not easy. It takes a lot of character building. So, um, comments or comment or question, because I'm about to pray and close this out so we can go to our final session. All right, so Father, we just thank you so much for this entire, all these workshops, and I just see building blocks um, for each, all of them, so even the ones I've attended. Thank you for this one, Lord God, where you're helping us to be more discerning of what is going on um, in our ministries by literally putting our hand on the pulse and checking out what's going on and doing something about it and not letting things uh, um, go on for years and not and not challenge them. Thank you for challenging us, Lord, to be more proactive in our um, in following up with our volunteers to see how they're doing and seeing if our ministries are functioning well. May we carry this information in our hearts, Lord, and uh, may we be able to recall it when we go back to our home churches and be able to use, some, use the things that we have learned. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, everyone.